black plastic.
Don't Yeah. <laughs> 
Folks, I forgot earlier to mention that UniRadio.fm is in need of funding. So when you come through that website, click us some dough, because uh, we all know that love's supposed to uh, make the world go round. But you can't pay your bills with love unless uh, there's some kind of organized crime involved. And also thanks again to... Uh, Alfred's House of Trousers. Picture of the room I know. I see 
so gently urges us to really love him. Jesus is always there, waiting for our response. He never forces us, but waits patiently to have us proclaim our love. But waits patiently to have us proclaim our love. Just as Jesus called the apostles to love him,
giant love ball bouncing around so free. A bright giant love ball, happy to be me. I'm like a bright giant love ball, shining for all to see. I am special, I am special, I am me. So let us dance, oh let us dance. Be happy, be happy, let us dance. Oh let us dance, oh let us dance. Let us dance and laugh and sing and shout for joy. I'm like a seed that I've planted, so young and so small. Needing to be watered, so I'll grow strong and tall. Friendship is my water, my son the warmth of love. I will grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. So let us dance, oh let us dance. Be happy, be happy, let us dance. Oh let us dance, oh let us dance. Let us dance and laugh and sing and shout for joy. We're like the colors of the rainbow shining through the rain. Each of us is special and unique in his own way. I am blue and you are yellow, and together we make green. And we are one with all the colors of the world. So let us dance, oh let us dance. Be happy, be happy, let us dance. Oh let us dance, oh let us dance. Let us dance and laugh and sing and shout for joy. Giant love ball.
the little rabbit close in her arms and flew with him into the wood. at last, at home with the other rabbits.
Monday, but Tuesday's just as bad. They call it stormy Monday, but Tuesday's just as bad. Wednesday's worse, Thursday's all so sad. Yes, the eagle flies on Friday, Saturday I go out to play. Yes, the eagle flies on Friday, Saturday I go out to play. And then on Sunday I go to church and I kneel down and pray. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy on me. Well, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy on me. Send my baby back to me Ooh-wee Crazy about my baby Won't you send my baby back to me Oh, have mercy Send her home to me Plastic on the Muni Radio.fm is what you're listening to now. I'd like to thank Mr. Lou Rose. 
singing with Les McCann Band because the can can. Don't suppose every Monday. Give us some money if you can. We need it more than a lot of other people, but less than some.
And welcome to the Weekly Review. I have two guests here who have joined me. Please introduce yourselves. My name is Lenora Lee. Yeah, my name is Hien Huynh. Thanks for being here. And there's an upcoming dance performance that we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So you joined us uh, a few months ago. It's hard to keep track of the time these days. Um, and the last performance we saw was just really impactful. It was over on Angel Island. And I just, ugh, I can't say how touching it was it was just really incredible so what were your thoughts about that as an experience 
for an audience member? Um, and first we should also, the full name of the performance was... Within These Walls, and we created mm-hmm. a sequel named yes. Dreams of Flight. Yes. It yeah. was a, an immersive multimedia dance performance that was staged at the Angel Island Immigration Station on Angel Island State Park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my first time being to Angel Island, so just being in that in that space in nature that's so close to us felt pretty... Um, it was felt like a lot to be there in that space, and then also to be in the particular environment where folks had lived. I think I could really feel the energy of what had taken place there. Mm-hmm. And so it brought... T- it's difficult to put into words. It felt like I just felt like all these emotions being in this space and then seeing, hearing these stories, hearing the people's words shared and interacting with the dancers and having, sharing, it just felt, there are so many different, it's difficult, yeah, it's difficult to put into words. It just felt like it was touching on so many senses because it wasn't just visual. It wasn't just audio it was more, it was interactive as well. And then also spiritual, I think, to be in the same place that people were before and to not be there at the same time as them and still to witness them in a way. Mm-hmm. That particular immigration station was open between 1910 and 1940. Uh, it burned down, the administration building burned down in 1940, so they moved it to the mainland. But during that time, there were approximately a million immigrants processed at that station, which most people, I think, maybe even from the Bay Area don't know about. Mm -hmm. And so of those million immigrants, about 170,000 were Chinese. And because there was a Chinese Exclusion Act in place, um, many of the Chinese were held under scrutiny and held there for much longer periods of time. And they were uh, interrogated and basically imprisoned until they can prove their innocence. And maybe Ian was in the piece for uh, both renditions, both mm-hmm. in 2017 and in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I think he can talk a little bit about um, maybe the the differences between both of those performances, even though we restaged it for this past May, uh, we added a sequel, but there were differences in the actual um, approach to the audience members and the way that we came kind of charged and activated the second time, um, empowered with a lot of information from the first round, but also realizing that, you know, we had this ability to contribute to this dialogue and, uh, what, in terms of what's happening in the current, current time. Yeah. The, the first time we performed it, yeah, we had no idea of, of its reach and its profound um, impact in that moment. So the second time coming around this year performing it, we knew what was at stake and we we tried our best to dive deeper into um, the, those, the stories that we were sharing. <laughs> and um, Lenora gave me the opportunity to also meet with um, the mother of the person who, uh, whose character mm. I was based off of. So we had a, a lunch date together mm. and she shared with us a bit more of, of what happened to him after. And so with all that information in mind and what it felt to have lunch with her, then to go on to performing the piece the second time around, it was, was new. It yeah. was new and it felt um, deeper and I think this time we ended on a much more hopeful tone. Mm-hmm. Um, um, 
a sense of spaciousness and, and um, allowance um, um, and hope. Yeah. Yeah, Hien played the character of Wang Gongju and uh, his daughter, Penelope Wang, mm. was able to, during that luncheon, share quite a bit about her father, um, who he was as a person, his character, his accomplishments. Um, she gave some hints as to what his um, detention time could have been like and how he was a bit of a dreamer and he was always looking for um, that sense of hope and accomplishment and um, working really hard and achieving. So it was exciting to then build the sequel with this knowledge mm -hmm. and then to have certain sequences feature family, old family photos of him and um, the rest of their kin and uh, for he and to be able to embody the, the essence of him more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it was quite exciting and um, just a note on that, this year we received two awards. Oh, so Hien received, you want to just talk about your award? Yeah. <laughs> well, the piece itself from 2017 won um, an outstanding production award from the Isadora Duncan Dance Awards Committee. Mm -hmm. And this was the first, we were the first recipients of it. It's a brand new category. And what it represents is a high level of achievement in all of the categories, whether that's choreography, performance, um, visual design, um, text and music. So they felt it was at a high level for all the categories and we're very honored to have received that one. And he and won a special award as well for his performance. Yeah, it was, it was very special to be with um, the whole cast and production there and to feel you know the, the work being shared and, and recognized on that level and to, to see that, you know, when we can go out and, and um, share such important stories and, and, and feel the community receive it that way and, yes. and then to be honored right back, it was definitely um, a very beautiful evening. And um, my, my mother was in town uh, mm -hmm. that week. And, you know, at that time I had no idea. I received the nomination, but I had no idea what the results were so she came to the ceremony too and then when they announced the name uh, i was able to bring her up on stage and I, it made my life <laughs> to see how happy she was and how, how proud she was oh that's beautiful congratulations you oh both. yeah thank you uh, was, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah it was a really touching performance and so you're also here to uh, speak about the new performance that you have coming up the first weekend of November. Yes, next weekend, November 1st through 3rd, we're performing a brand new piece entitled In the Skin of Her Hands at Dance Mission Theater, which is just a few blocks away from here. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be utilizing the different rooms in Dance Mission. They have a theater as well as two studios. So in the first half of the program, the audience members will get a chance to travel through the different rooms oh, wow. and to take a look at um, the vignettes and scenarios that we've been setting up. Mm -hmm. So for this piece, it's inspired by the experiences of those dealing with cancer, battling cancer, mm -hmm. specifically breast cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the last two months, I had the opportunity to interview 31 people. Wow. Um, some of them are cancer survivors and some are family members. Mm -hmm also uh, an oncologist and two physical therapists. 
and um, it's been an incredible process. I would have to say that I've learned so much, you know, from people, what people are willing to share mm-hmm. about what they've gone through, and everyone has had very different experiences. Um, some people have had, you know, very harsh physical dealings and um, um, chemotherapy and radiation, and others have had a lighter load and dealing with the illness. But regardless, there was just um, so much richness to what they were sharing um, that we're including a lot of the voiceover bits of their stories within the piece. So you'll hear in the sound score, probably almost everybody, (laughs) pretty much almost everybody in there sharing things. Um, I could talk a little bit about you know, some commonalities, but also differences between them. And I'd actually, maybe while he and talks a little bit, I can open up some audio sure. from the interviews and, and prepare that for you. Yeah. So maybe he and can talk a little bit about the genesis of the project and um, yeah. how we created the work so yeah. far. Yeah. I'm curious as to what inspired it. Yeah. yeah so, um, um, Lenora, uh, opened up and shared with us that, uh, her sister Karina was diagnosed with breast cancer, and so this that sort of set the tone of how you know important and and how uh, close this work was going to be. And so at that in that realm too, we um, had an opportunity to um, take a workshop with um, aerial dance company Bandaloop, mm-hmm. and so we we trained with them. For um, for the beginning of the year, and some of us trained during the summer, so we we learned how to, to essentially fly, <laughs> and um, yeah, just seeing how much Lenora took on because she's you know they're interviewing over thirty people and hearing yeah. all these different stories and perspectives, and we couldn't I couldn't even imagine how heavy that could be. You know, yes, I'm just yes. here in in the dance studio just hearing the the stories and narratives play, but I can't even imagine, you know, actually meeting each and every one and and, you know, being with their stories. So in this sense this project feels huge and and how there's just um so many affected and so yeah. many family members is it just everyone is is together on this yes yeah and and i very very much look forward to opening day or the whole weekend as well because i could just imagine you know that those that are being interviewed are showing up their family their loved ones so it's just to me it's like a, a gathering a gathering and and just showing up to support and, and fight for this cause. Yeah, it is a it is something that I think affects every like I, I can't I don't think I know someone who doesn't hasn't who doesn't know someone who has been affected by breast cancer. It feels like it's such a unfortunately ubiquitous disease that it's yeah, it's affected so many people. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, so uh, what you're about to hear uh, is an excerpt of something that we did. We performed an excerpt at the Jurassic Resident Artist Program in Woodside, California last weekend. And mm-hmm. so the excerpt that you will hear right now 
is from a woman named Valerie So. She's a professor and a filmmaker at San Francisco State University. And um, her thoughts on her experiences with breast cancer. Okay. You know, this is the funny thing about me is that I do a lot of social media. And so I posted it on social media pretty much as soon as I started treatment. And then, I would, and then after a while, I started posting a lot on social media. Like I would post like when I was getting my chemo or like, you know, my various hair or hats or wigs or whatever. And I think people enjoyed sort of following that journey for whatever reason. Um, so for me, it was always very transparent. Uh, I have another friend who's got... It's some form of leukemia, and she's gone through treatment twice. Like, she's done that thing where they take out, like, do something with her bone marrow, and then she has to be in isolation for a month. Like, really intense. And she said she thinks it's really important for people to know when you have cancer because she thinks it's a public health crisis, right? She thinks it's not just, like, people don't just happen to be getting this. There's, like, environmental reasons why people are getting this all the time. And so for her, it was almost like a, this thing is like she wants people to know that something can, needs to be done. Yeah. Right. Some people worry about job security, too, like if they're going to be discriminated against because they're sick. And again, you know, I'm really lucky because I am in a position where I have job security and I'm protected. So, but I could see that. I mean, they can't legally fire you, but they could certainly do find other ways to let you go. So that was really helpful for me just to not worry so much about why it happened because then what happens is you stop thinking it's something that I did, right? It's something I'm, I have to blame myself for some flaw in my life. And then for me it was just like getting through it at that point and just always thinking, focusing on getting through whatever treatment I was doing. Yeah, so that was um, an excerpt from Valerie So's interview, and what you'll hear right now are um, two sections. One is um, from a woman who uh, shared about her experience, and then from an oncologist who I interviewed. Her name is uh, Pamela Munster. She works at UCSF. She's a researcher and an onc 